Ooga booga. That's when we know to cut back in. <laughs> so, uh, Firewalk with me. Mm. We have not watched it Wait, yet. We haven't talked about what I hate about my voice. Oh, Kenna, what do you hate about your sounds voice? Sounds like a little kid. But mm. you're mm. a woman. It sounds like a little boy. But you're boy. A, a woman. Sounds like, well, it sounds like a little boy. I don't No, actually, mind. it doesn't. No. Uh, I actually don't mind listening to my I'm voice. I'm actually attracted <laughs> to little boys, so oh, I have no, no problem with that. <laughs> I was talking about my voice. <laughs> I don't mind that you sound like a little boy. That's not what I was trying to say. <laughs> oh, no. I was trying to say that I don't mind the sound of my own voice. I feel like I've heard it enough. And, like, I feel like I heard it when I was younger, and I was like, oh, that's so annoying. And then it, my voice changed, and I was like, this is awesome. So like it's not, not my voice that annoys me. It's, when, the, it's the things I do with it. It's, it's me. It's, it's myself. It's me. <laughs> it's not the tool. It's, it's how I use it. The brain. When I when I hear myself talk, I think I should be more insecure than I am. I don't know why I'm saying things so confidently with that voice. I don't know why so many people I'm are so, so attracted to my voice. So, uh, Kenna, you have not seen Firewalk with me, but you've had a lot of things spoiled for you. Yeah, I've just been on Twitter a lot early, Ooh. and I follow i don't know why i do this i said i would stop but i follow like david lynch um, mm -hmm. yeah like, topic you can yeah, like, yeah. follow topics on twitter and so like random tweets will pop up that say like oh david lynch topic and then under it most of them are really cool because i get to see like behind the scenes stuff like yeah i like doing that with like a lot of different topics but i has been there's been spoilers for sure mm. i uh but I, I haven't wanted to sacrifice there those. have been a couple of weeks where you just texted like hey i just got something spoiled for me yeah. and every time you do that i'm just kind of like i don't know if this show is spoilable no, at I, this point like we're, we're about where we're gonna go into i'm just kind of like maybe a little bit but like you're you still it's just like i see someone do something that i'm like oh i didn't know that oh that they do that happen. yeah or i didn't even know that this person was going to be involved oh uh, well that's probably gobble. just the return because the yeah. return yeah gobble gobble <laughs> but um the return has a ton of people in it so oh yeah, yeah. i am so stoked to watch the return <laughs> i know an entire maple bar and it that's basically just a piece of cake yeah i a piece of cake just now I yeah. licked a little bit off of it before you took it. Brad's going to gonna see be. If I wanted it, and it was too Brad, sugary. Brad's going to be working through wheat digestion while we watch this movie. So anyway, sorry. Uh, you just hear like, uh, uh, listeners, this is four fish in a percolator. We are rebranding to include McKay into the actual title. Hooray. Um, instead of calling him the percolator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you are all inside of me. <laughs> Wait, so. Uh, are th is there anything else we could change it to besides three fish in a perk or four fish in a percolator? Is there something like. We could do like. It's too late now. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, anyway. It's locked in. We've done, we've already done like 30 episodes. Mm -hmm. So, we haven't we watched the movie that. yet. I just wanted to get everyone's litmus test of what, what we're excited for for it. Ken, anything you want to get out of this movie that you're hoping to see? Mm, well, no. Not really. <laughs> like, to be honest, I feel like I just. I know that we're going to learn a lot about Laura, and that's all I really want. That's true. So, all right. There's nothing specific so that I want to get out. I want some juicy huh? drama. Oh. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see a <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> a lot of bone broth. So, um, here's the thing. This is part one of our Fire Walk With Me episodes. Um, so... Happy holidays this is coming out the week of Christmas. The next the part two comes out Christmas Eve. Um, happy Lynchmas. Happy Lynchmas. Um, we will be back after the jump after having. So, 
we'll have like a two minute little like sequitur between these two parts and uh, that will be us watching the film so maybe go watch it yourself and then come back with us um, but we'll talk to you guys in like five minutes Hey, don't forget to sit in front of the mic. You can bring it around if you want to. You can adjust it. I'm just saying. I didn't. I didn't we weren't heading started. It's better to have it like. Put it. Yeah, that's probably better. And then lean in when you're just talking. Boom, 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 boom. I've been waiting a year to use this needle drop. That's enough of that. Welcome back to Four Fish in a Percolator. <sighs> My name is Harrison Coford. Can we turn that yep. air off? Oh no, that was me. That's me getting a text. But here, let me put the, those on Do Not Disturb. That was Brad. Sorry, that was Brad's notification. <laughs> it wasn't yours. What a loser. No, it, I, it came from here though. Hmm. Okay. Start again. Hello, welcome back. We have just watched Firewalk with me. Yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. Woohoo! I have the opposite of things to say. I'm speechless, really. <laughs> what if this entire episode was just us pressing <laughs> the buttons on the soundboard? It honestly should be. <laughs> we have nothing to say. Can't be Can't be more What were your thoughts, Brad? Second time seeing it, right? Yeah. Um, I think I saw it. My my roommates started it. Uh, they watched the whole thing, but I just kind of caught glimpses of it. But I only watched probably maybe like eight minutes of it. So this is like the second time that I've seen it. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Like... I don't know. It's probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It's it's amazing. I don't know. Okay. What are your thoughts on it? This group couldn't be more pensive right now. <laughs> it's a rough watch. Yeah. It's not easy to watch. No, it's not easy to watch. Kenna was laughing for most of it, but it is funny. And I feel like I was mostly joking that Kenna was laughing <laughs> for a under a blanket. Yeah. Um <laughs> I feel like we've mentioned this before, but um, I'm, I'm uh, very scared, but I'm also very sad. Yes. That's, that's how this movie makes me feel. Yeah. Um, it's not a happy movie and we mentioned this before, but if I feel like Twin Peaks is a triangle and that like you've brought this up. Many yeah, times. yeah. Yeah. Twin Peaks is over here. Firewalk with me is over here and the return is over here and they're yep. all connected. But, they're but completely they all different. are so they're different. They're completely from each other. different. And this is, you know, Firewalk with me is 
basically a horror movie. It is. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, but it's not like most horror movie viewing experiences where you go away from it feeling like adrenaline, I guess, or yeah. like fear. I just, it's just, it's just sad. It's just tragic. And it's hard. It's hard. It's it's hard to talk about. Which I'm gonna be interested to see how we all talk about this movie. But yeah, it it's uh yeah. That's general thoughts. Kenna, <clears throat> I agree with McKay that this is. Yeah, it it doesn't energize you. It drains you, and that's not like a diss, really. It's, it was, like, a good thing, I feel. I don't know. It's hard to do a podcast after watching it. I feel really bummed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I feel bummed, but... We all need to, like, just take some time to recover. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not, like, the same... It's not, like, a bummed where I'm, like... I don't know. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sad, but I am kind of, like... Somber. Yeah. Like, I feel yeah, very somber. just, like, strange and, mm-hmm. like... It's... Feels like a funeral. Yeah. Or something. It's it, very spiritual. Mm-hmm. It's like a funeral of a person that wasn't supposed to die. Like it was an accident. And so you are left with all these questions and like nothing's really yeah. resolved. You feel really strange. So you don't think anything was resolved from the show? Well, talk no, about no, no, so, no. so from this. So let's imagine you're in 1992. Twin Peaks has been canceled for a year. Okay. It gets canceled in May of 1991. A year later in August. You see this. What are your thoughts? Oh, it de- I feel like definitely. It's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. It felt like we took a we, big It's been a while break. since we watched the show. <clears throat> I have a question maybe to just get things going. Um, does this place... Wow. <laughs> Let me start over. Does this movie take place before or after the events of Twin Peaks? Because That's a great question. My first viewing, I was like, this is a prequel. But then my second viewing, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> is this a pre? I, it, it obviously is about Laura's death, which obviously took place before Twin Peaks. Yeah. But, like, the movie itself, like, the, the chunk of time in which the movie takes place, is that before or after uh, Laura's death? Here's the thing. Firewalk with me is a prequel, but you could not watch this before the show. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, there there are people who like to post on like the David Lynch subreddit, and they're like, "Hey, I really want to watch Firewalk with me. Do I have to watch the show first? And they just send that Tom Cruise like laughing meme, where it's just like, like just like laughing yeah. really hard. It's like, yeah, yeah. I think you need to sh- watch the show first. I feel bad for the poor souls. Who, when this movie came out in 1992, they're like, "Oh, let's go check this out." Let's just go show. see a movie, oh, yeah. knowing nothing yeah, about Twin Peaks. Show, but I'm sure it'll be fine. It's not like the X Files movie where you can see that without seeing the show. But if you've seen the show, it's very rewarding. Um, no, yeah, I, I let's talk about that for a second. So I think, yeah, obviously it's 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 billed and it is formatted as a prequel, but there's so much stuff that continues things from the show. It's very interesting to bring that up. Brad, what do you think? I don't know. Like I I feel like there's um there's definitely a reward to be like found if you want to like understand 
sort of like the elements that are in this and try to figure out like a timeline or like a puzzle and that yeah. it is rewarding and that's one of the things that makes the it's one of the i don't want to say like a small thing it's a, one of the big things that makes this show so fun and the first time i watched it i remember i'm like i was really caught in like the mystery of it i'm like what does this mean what does that mean what does this mean and like i don't know watching this standalone not having watched the show for a while just kind of watching this as like just like a thing you know as like its yeah. own solid thing yeah it feels like this time around I was paying a lot more attention to just like the emotions of it and like the motivation for it. I wasn't trying to analyze it or anything too much, but like I feel like as like an artistic, this is going to sound obnoxious, but like as an artistic expression, it really resonated with me just from like, where is the man that made this movie coming from? And like, what is he trying to talk about? What is he trying to say? What are his points of view on living and life and like his perspective on you know, these events and stuff. And I felt like that came across really strongly for me, whereas the first time it did, obviously, but it was like more subtextual and maybe I like felt it and things like that. But I was, I was, I was trying to pay attention to like the puzzle of things and the mechanics of things. Cause I think we watched things a lot closer. So all yeah, those elements yeah, were floating yeah, around yeah. in my head. I was spending a lot more time trying to like interweave all of these like yarn and stuff. And like I was saying, that is like a thing that makes this show so thrilling and so i think it's really cool it, but i didn't really pay attention to that as much this time so i, I don't when really have a lot when you watch when i watch it it's like for the first 30 minutes i'm like okay i'm like i've got all my i've got my 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 tinfoil hat on mm-hmm. the the four fish and a percolator hat on yeah analyzing everything the further we get into laura's world the more i'm just like i am letting go i can't yeah. like I, I i'm i there, there's so much bewilderment that i'm just kind of like i, I just I, can't I, hold on to that yeah. for too long i feel like and i'm and i'll stop talking in a second but i feel like that's one of the things about like about great art is that you can look at things differently. Like I can spend some time trying to like, what was it? What I was doing is not what I think that we should do. If that makes sense. I don't want people to be like, you know, those YouTube videos are like fire walk with me explained in 15 (laughs) minutes. And it's some freaking nerd being like, you don't need to watch the movie. You don't need to let this work its way through you. You know what I mean? You don't need to experience this. I can just tell you what this person was thinking. I can tell you what all the symbolism yeah. means or what yeah. all this imagery means or what these moments mean. I don't think Lynch and is I feel like interested that's super in that. whack. No, it's like that's the lamest, lamest way of watching things. Obviously, those videos like can be cool. There's merit to it. When I was like getting into this or when I was younger yeah. and stuff, I liked like I did that with like the movie Enemy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember I watched spiders, the video. Like, dude. Wow, spiders. That movie's crazy. This movie had a ton of stuff going on, and I'm glad that that helped me like kind of see that and realize that. Yeah. But I think it's kind of counter, like, to letting this mean something to you differently yep. every time. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. want someone to try to tell me what everything means. Because then, where's the point in me watching it again, or where's the point in me putting myself in like the position yeah. of like the characters and stuff? So, what? It- Sorry, go ahead. No, shut the F up, McKay. Uh, No, McKay, what do you want to say? I was going to say, I was going to bring this up. I think this might be like the top letterboxed review on this movie, which probably whoever wrote that, but essentially their interpretation of the movie was... It wasn't me. um, (laughs) It wasn't me earlier. I turned on my alert just now. Um, (laughs) I'm serious. Their interpretation, I shouldn't put that those words in their mouth but like 
their explanation of Twin Peaks, uh, Fire Walk With Me, was specifically like, things like this happen in real life. And they are baffling, jarring, confusing, and there's no real good logical way to put them together or to have them make sense. And their extrapolation from that was that David Lynch was using the world of Twin Peaks to purvey that sort of trauma, that sort of abuse, and that abuse, yeah. you know, you, is Bob Leland, who knows, doesn't yeah. matter, no, like, <laughs> stuff like this happens in real life, and, and sometimes there's just, for the victim, there's no way to deal with it rather than, other than to just put on a mask on on top of the person who you love who's abusing you. Yeah. And that's the only way you can make sense of things. And <sighs> again, I like don't think that's the only way to interpret or look at Firewalk with me, but I do think that is a big thing. A big a really great way to interpret the movie, I think. I so one thing that's interesting about the movie that you're talking about here is that it's like we find out that Bob is Leland in the show, right? Mm -hmm. And then they go on for, what was it, like 12 more episodes after that of show about, you know, Evelyn Marsh and all this other stuff. And then when they're, when they're, when Lynch is like, I want to make a movie, he's like, no, 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 we're going to focus on that detail alone for two hours. We're just going to focus on, the, the guy who killed her was her dad. We're just going to focus on that. And that's, I think that's, that's why this movie is so freaking hard to watch is because it's all about like, no, no, no! Consider this nightmare. Yeah, it's uh. That's why every time I finish it, I'm always like, whoa! Yeah. Like it's just so it's sickening. It's like I know people like yeah. There are people online who love to say like, probably my favorite movie of all time. I've seen it a million times. Like I can watch this maybe once a year yeah. if yeah. I'm going well, to watch it. That's the thing with Fire Walk with Me is it drains almost all humor. Oh yeah, from Twin Peaks. Oh yeah. One of the reasons why Twin Peaks is so endearing is it mixes horror with and humor and humor yeah but this is other than maybe a couple gags at the beginning mm -hmm. this yeah. thing is completely devoid oh yeah as it should be you it's, know it's it's uh having seen everything lunch has made except for the straight story which is supposed to be his most joyful heartwarming movie i can say this is his most bleak movie easily because he has he likes he loves humor and he's really good at humor um, I mean, he's the guy who and created has, Andy Brennan. This, again, yeah, has yeah. some of its best is in this. Like it, is it has funny. a little bit of humor, but I, I was going to say, I want to let Kenna know, The Return has a lot more humor than this. The Return is very, it's very funny. Scarier. It's also, well, it has 14 scarier. hours so that it can, yeah, I don't, what, when we finish The Return, we'll have to talk about what, what we think is scarier, The Return or, or Firewalk with scary. me. It kind of comes from the same place. I <sighs> One thing that I was thinking about is like, just kind of the point that McKay was making, like, it, it feels, the thing that makes a lot of shows of the genre, like crime thriller shows or whatever, exciting is like the mystery of it. And it's like, oh, we're going to like follow these clues, kind of blah, blah, blah. And that just gets like so scrambled. And because it's like you're saying, things like this happen to real people. And mm -hmm. it's like in those situations, there's no answers for the most important questions. And like, you might be able to follow the clues 
of like a, a case or something and how fun that is. I think it's like, that's the way I feel about true crime stuff for the most part. I want to say all true crime is bad, but I think indulging in true crime is kind of whack because yeah, it's I just agree. like, you know, it'd be really make us a lot of money and be really fun as if we like just really focused on, focused on yeah. how crazy and interesting this whole thing was. I think that's really disgusting, honestly. But like in this movie, you can follow the, the, the clues and things, but this whole show is like trying to put you in more of like a cosmic place about the questions that like don't, no matter what, are not going to get answered. It's like, okay, if we can figure out who did this and like, you know, how it happened, blah, blah, blah. But why do things like this happen? Why do they seem to keep happening? Why did, why are there so many players involved in this that seem to put themselves in the most self-destructive position possible? And like you're saying, like things like this happen on like a daily basis. And it's like, that's the much more interesting question. And it's not a very entertaining or like fun question. Like I do think like it, it yeah, it puts you, it asks like that cosmic stuff. So it is more of like a spiritual, like thing that you have to go through to be like willing to not get those straight answers, but just at least look at like what is going on. I feel I feel, yeah, the exact same way. Like, I feel like you don't realize that until after you're done watching this. Yeah. Because you you can try to go into it all you want, like, trying to piece together all the clues and stuff. But at some point, you start to question, like, how much of this, like, how much of this am I analyzing that actually doesn't really mean anything that matters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, to the actual, like, what's actually happening and what actually... Yeah. Yeah, and that's what's so interesting is I feel like a different filmmaker would take a very nihilistic approach. Yeah, and be they wouldn't like, have angels at the end. No, there would, yeah, there would, they would just say, you know, life is meaningless, tragedy occurs because all humans are devoid of goodness, and that sort of thing. Um, I feel like a worse filmmaker would make a film that was... Uh, and that's that's what's so bizarre about this film is like even as awful and as tragic and as horrible as it is to watch there's this very there's an optimism there yeah very small and a very small like optimism that sort of you know mostly with the angel symbolism but it's and i think that's what elevates it beyond just a normal nihilistic movie about people you know being raped and murdered and yeah yeah like yeah. A stark view of those things no yeah. yeah i don't think david lynch is that nihilistic i think he actually is very optimistic in all of his work well and like no and i get I get what you're saying because I, I i think that this is one of the only ways that you can sort of follow the mystery of of this you know what I mean? It's the same way I feel like a lot of romance movies that are the ones that are like really, really good. They don't guide you through an objective view of what it feels like to fall in love with someone. It becomes this really like spiritual cosmic thing where you're like trying to understand a lot that's going on and it seems to resonate with people. And this, I think, does the same thing where it's like, like you're saying, if you were to take the, the plot in this movie or like the chain of events in this movie and look at them from like an objective point of view, it would be very it would be completely empty it would just be hor just horrible yeah you know and it is just horrible you know but it does t take it like in a lot more of a like art 
artistic and spiritual way where you're able to see a lot more about what's, what's going on. And I was thinking about that with like, with Bob, Bob existing as a character immediately gives like compassion to every other character involved. Yeah. You know, like remove all the metaphysical stuff, like from the plot, you've got a father who is like seeing prostitutes and like drugging his wife and is yeah. raping his daughter yeah. and a murderer. You know, and like there's some kind of presence and pressing upon him to do these things, which is that is the that's true for everyone that does that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, there's something that they know is wrong that's pressing upon them to to commit these kind of heinous acts. Laura is someone who knows that she should stop what she's doing, but there's something pressing upon her to like do all this horrible stuff and be self-destructive and ruin her life. And like even with like. You know, and we'll get into that later. But Bob doesn't just try to inhabit both of these people, but several people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, like, the the thing that I was taking away from it is just like giving that an embodiment, giving that like per- personifying evil. You're giving forgiveness to all the other parties involved because, like, you're seeing Leland in a sympathetic light, or even seeing someone that could do something this horrible in a sympathetic light, being like, even a man that is capable of doing these kinds of things is being pressed on by that same embodiment of evil that everyone is being pressed upon by, you know? So there's some, like, forgiveness in that, or at least some understanding, you know? And with yeah. Laura and, like, uh, what's her name that was in the thing? Ronette? Yeah. Right? Yeah, Ronette Blossom. Not the first girl that dies, right? No, that's Teresa Banks. That's Teresa Banks. Yeah, both of them, like, Teresa's, like, saying, like, a, a prayer, basically, at the end, saying, like, don't look at me, I'm not ready, I'm so dirty, like, yeah. I, I can't die the way that I am right yeah. now, and she gets delivered, you know, and it's, like, even Laura, Laura gets stopped by the log lady when she's, like, about to go down the self-destructive path, and she's, like, once you start this fire, it's very hard to, to put, put out. out, Yeah. but even, even though Laura keeps passing all those, like, spiritual, like, barriers, like, these kinds of things that are interrupting her to, like, yeah lead her to the right path even though she gets herself like not herself but gets murdered well you know so i have a couple i want to touch on i'm going to say a couple things about laura and then we're going to get into the plot if that's cool but i'm just saying the whole movie for i know this is the last thing i'm going to say is like is about these people involved being pressed upon by this evil force that's guiding them to basically destroy their lives destroy the things that they love well it's it's just like david lynch sort of frames this whole thing in that humans are inherently good Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's why I think where the where the optimism comes from in this movie is it's it's um, it's this Bob force that that makes people um, into these monsters, mm-hmm. um, and just want to clarify that I don't think that you should use this to excuse the actions of mm-hmm. anybody ever. No, 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 and I <laughs> no, no, uh, and, no, and, no. She, she, and. and what am I saying? David Lynch doesn't. I don't think do that. No. Um, and like, just want to make that very clear. That, yeah. that's, like, that's all we're saying. He's trying really? to give, yeah. Even if even if like he's Leland is being condemned in this movie, mm-hmm. it's like at least you're understanding. Like, Leland, however evil it yeah. might be, however wrong it might be, at yeah. least you understand. Mm-hmm. And like uh-huh. the, um, th- there was another character that had something like that happen to them. But continue. Leland without Bob. He's still a bad person. Still seeing prostitutes. I right. think he's choosing to do stuff like that. Um, but I do think that there is some nuance involved with between him and Bob and their relationship. I feel like the imagery at the end when they're in the red room and he, he, Leland's hanging 
mm-hmm. there and Bob is like on the ground talking, it's like he commands him. Yeah. Okay, so first a couple things I want to say about Laura, then we'll get into the plot. So a lot of people have criticized Lynch and his work for being misogynistic and putting women in, in difficult situations. I feel like this movie is just like the perfect proof of like, that's impossible because Lynch sometimes in his other movies, I'm thinking like wild at heart and blue velvet and blue velvet's my favorite movie he's done. They can sometimes look at the characters from a humorous point of view of kind of like, this is pretty ridiculous, isn't it? And he kind of sees them as like, he sees a lot of like, like it's interesting seeing all these, these characters meet together and how they react and stuff like that. Isn't it ridiculous? Now that's way too simple of a term. I would probably, I'm so sorry that people are texting me. Um, there, uh, I'm, I'm being way too simplistic in how I'm breaking down what Lynch's work is about mm-hmm. and how he treats it. Um, I would probably disagree with what I'm saying, but I would say that Laura Palmer is the number one character he takes the most seriously in any of his work. No, yeah. Because he can't tell this story without taking her and her plight incredibly seriously. And no, and he won't stop talking about it either. No. It's like his whole career has Which been is so to interesting. Like, to just, well, and that's, I think that's it's the, the greatest, one character he keeps returning to. And people yeah. have talked about like his work and it's like, it's attachments to like the concept of like television, obviously. And I yeah. haven't really read into that a whole lot, but the movie starts out on like a static TV you know, and I most crime shows, and it feels like this is a counterculture movement. This TV show and this movie is like a movement against the like pop culture version of like murder and the pop culture version of like crime. Because yeah. most of those shows, a teenage girl dying, that's a one episode plot. That's going to get like signed, sealed, and written yeah. away and forgotten yep. pretty quickly. And he latches onto that. And we've talked about that before for the rest of the thing. And what McKay was saying earlier about people being like evil or whatever, like. Um, I was thinking about the elephant man. Um, yeah, that feels like it's flipping like the dynamics where it's like on the outside, this guy is just like this heinous monster and stuff. And like on the ins, the, the but the message is still the same. It's like, I am a human being, yep. you know? And I feel like even with like, with like Leland or even Laura, who's like super self-destructive, like really manipulative, like pretty much going like, seems like she's hell bent on destroying like yeah. herself. It's like in the, the, Message I and I again. This is all kind of obnoxious to break down this movie in this way, but I just feel like that's like the same. It's like these people are no matter what they do, they are people. Yep. You yeah. know, and I think we even like, you know, uh, Leland Palmer is a person that like if if Bob is not a th- person and not a thing, and Leland is just a evil dude, you know, like I have no way of seeing the way this movie sees him. I was like, oh, this is a human being. Like, if this is someone that I knew or someone that had impacted my life, he would quickly become a monster, you know? But it's like, at least this movie gives him the credit of being a human, which I think is cool. I wanted to, sort of, going back to the misogyny thing, I wanted to ask McKenna her opinion, like, her experience (laughs) while I was watching this movie, because, like, I was like, this time watching it, I was like, man, like, I... I feel like this would be triggering for me if I was, like, a woman, a lot of this stuff. So, what are your yeah. thoughts, Kana? Oh, it, it definitely was. I mean, I, okay, there, I, I don't know. There's, like, a lot, this isn't, like, groundbreaking or anything as far as, like, hmm. something that 
like portrays rape in this way like I feel like a lot of I've seen a lot of stuff like this like and heard of a lot of stuff like this because it does happen so often and yeah it's it but it never really gets like not triggering or not like it's never not scary it like it makes your cheeks hot and it makes your ears hot like it, it makes you freak out a little bit um because it puts somebody in a powerless position and you're just watching and yep. it's like very scary. That's but what, that's the hardest part about this movie is that you as an audience member can't do anything. Well, yeah. You, sorry, I don't, I don't no, know. You're, you, you can go ahead. You were going to say like, you said earlier, like people have said that David Lynch is a misogynist. That's like, or, you know, and there, there is misogyny in his movies. You know what I mean? But it's not, and him. I don't, well, well, I don't care or know if he is, you know what I mean? Yeah. I do care. And he probably, I mean, everyone has the capacity. The world is misogynist. Like, yeah. the world yeah. that we live in is inherently, like, has problems that are 100% accurate to what is being depicted in here. Yeah. And then, and with that, the inherent biases of everyone that works on a movie like this, including the guy whose creative direction is every part of the movie, like, he might have a billion screwed up ideas and screwed up points of view about, you know, uh, about women or about what, what would be right and what isn't and, like, might be wrong on a million different fronts and might make something that is, like you know, not helpful or maybe is wrong, yeah. but, um, at least like he is just a part of like a larger culture of things. And I think that this movie, like, you know, I can't say whether or not it's like wrong that these things are depicted, but I can say that it's, at least it is accurate to the time, you know, not that it represents like yeah. a larger whole, but it, no, yeah, it's, it, it's a depiction of something that's so much worse in reality. I think, yeah. I think, Lynch what has misogynistic characters, but I don't think he's saying, and they're right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it is, it does feel condemning, but I can't, that's where I, I'm saying, like, people talk about this with, like, um, like, Sachi Barracone, and we've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. But just because something is, like, a parody, or just because something's like, hey, isn't this bad? It's like, that doesn't mean you can indulge in it in your doesn't, movie. Yeah, a, it doesn't it's mean a, it's a you can just thing. do it. Just because yeah. you know you're doing it, ironically, doesn't mean you're not doing it, yeah. like, spitefully. I won't condemn the man's work because I don't think that it feels indulgent to me, but like, who am I to say that it's not indulgent? Yeah. It's, it's strange. Like, I think that was really well put. It's strange though, because like I'm the type of lady that a lot of men would find annoying to watch a movie with because I would point out things that are like misogynistic because it's so like obvious to me. Yeah. But it's not as obvious to men, obviously, but like, we like watching stuff with you, but, but, well, because like you've real like you guys probably notice like I'll say something as we go through like yeah whatever um, Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. but and usually with, Brad says we don't let women talk when we do this, and I say sorry, mm. sorry, sorry, you're right, yeah. <laughs> but but with the I think Brad said it really it well because it's I'm not I I'm not gonna claim whether or not he is misogynistic probably is I'm gonna say that he probably is but um. But watching it, I wasn't like outraged, which often I, I, it's easy for me to get like upset. I'm like, yeah. I get upset like when yeah. I watch that kind of stuff because it is so normalized and it is so like, oh, we just laugh about this kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with this, there's no laughing matter. It's no not, it's no laughing matter. And like, I think Lynch knows that. And he took it very seriously, like you said. Yeah. So it's hard to say. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. Most, I think most directors that people like celebrate or most accomplished directors especially guys that are like i don't know i mean the world has 
still it's it's you're we're still in a state of the boys like club being so far away from where people ideally would like them to be and that yeah. doesn't mean it should stay there but it was worse in 1992 and it was worse in like for sure 1960 like i this these movies remind me a lot of like alfred hitchcock movies are like yeah it's, like, this movie's a lot like marnie mm-hmm. if you've ever seen hitchcock's marnie anyway keep going well and it's just like it's all very sexually charged it yeah. is Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but there's nothing sexual what, in this, this movie, movie that is tantalizing. <laughs> no, there's nothing know, like, titillating that's yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, all like every single. It's disgusting. It's all disgusting. So Again, and that's why I'm saying it's like just because yeah. you indulge in that. And that's what I'm trying to say. You're like, saying, but not for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's like who's to say? But um, uh, I agree. For all the movies that this, the things that this movie does accomplish, like I don't think that it being like a you know, it doesn't need. It doesn't need to. Unfortunately, sorry, doesn't need to accomplish like everything artistically that you would like it yeah, to. Yeah, I can. You know what I mean? That. Like it accomplishes yeah. things emotionally that I think are not done well in almost any other movie. Like it accomplishes certain things like that I really love. If it's like a movie that's like, oh, this is the best feminist movie. It's like that's not true. That's yeah. not true. And I don't think anyone can say that. And or like, it's like, there's like zero representation in this movie too. And then you could there, there, about that. There are some very fascinating articles, uh, theories on um, this movie and feminism though, that I, I implore our way, listeners to read. Yeah. In a way, like I, that's why I'm not so like outraged is because no, yeah. it seems feministy, honestly. Yeah. Like it seems like he's like, I mean, in a, I don't know. In a way it's kind of like, Dude, men suck. Yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. the only the good worst. guy in this, besides like FBI agents, is James. Yeah, yeah, well, and like and even he's all, just like even a piece of wet bread. Yeah, <laughs> they're, all, they're all in like a really like hopeless situation, and it's like on every front, the evil that's being enacted on them in like positions of power is done by is, men. Is a and yeah, like, it's a male figure. Yeah, it's so. it's tricky. Obviously, this is like one of the largest problems that people can talk about. So yeah. I think it's interesting that even the, these kinds of conversations can be had at all yeah. from Definitely. a movie like this, but it's um, a delicate thing. No, I it's, feel like. it's tricky because yeah. Cause I'm, I, I, I don't feel like it was that kind of a movie where it was like men suck, but mm. it they was do. making a it point. It might be un- it was making a point. Like, like I think everything can be unintentionally or even like unintentionally hypocritical or unintentionally like wrong, you know, yeah. but yeah. I, I can, I can't, say but my personal feelings i at least think this movie is honest yeah even Mm -hmm. if it's hypocritical or if it's wrong yeah yeah Yeah. i i think i i just initially just like was thinking that you know there's i will never know what it's like (laughs) to watch things like this on you know because uh-huh obviously all that stuff is like disgusting but it's like I will never have to worry about being in this situation, you know? Yeah. And so that's just a thought that crossed my mind watching it this time. Um, it's and, so easy to get frustrated. Yeah. And it's, it's like when you consider that it's like written and directed by a man, it's, I think it's just like, I think it's just still important to like ask those questions and be like, what, what is this doing yeah. to the female audience? Well, yeah. one, one thing that You're I think maybe that. is like Thank worth, you. worth a note. A try. Like, worth a note you, you is i'm a man feminist <laughs> all all the problems that are coming up and what i think this movie is like trying to suck the fantasy out of is like those fantasies you know what i mean it's like look right. what, look what your fantasies do 
definitely to people. that's what happens to leland is he's having sex with like this prostitute doesn't care out like how old she is doesn't care the kind of girls that she brings in and as soon as he sees one of them as his kid he's like oh this is like awful what i'm doing this needs to stop and like you know these kinds of depictions of like sexualizing like high schoolers happens a lot in movies and happens a lot <clears throat> in things and it's disgusting and like also like just sexualization of women happens a lot but i'm saying like yeah the way that it's done here it kind of shows like to the greatest degree what it does to those people you know and what right. it, like the consequences that situations like that can have and the consequence right. of entertaining those kinds of like you know thrills and fantasies can have yeah and yeah so, that's so know. true because i mean he dresses all the women up like pretty perfect i mean with like with laura all of her like lingerie outfits and then like her skin her hair everything is like perfect yeah she's really like a flawless character yep in my in my perspective and so like that has a lot to do with what you're talking about like he, he tries to dress him up to be exactly what mm-hmm. a man would want them to be i yeah. agree and mm-hmm. i think that's one of the problems and then we can i, I don't know if anyone else anything else they want to say but like i think that's one of the problems with trying to talk about this subject when like this movie exists on the train of thought that like other movies have come from you know what i mean yeah like it's like this i don't know how i'm trying to say what i'm trying to say but it's like uh this has been influenced by so many things that are hypersexualized, that are mm. disgusting, that are like perverted and everything. It's like it can't really just be unto itself, you know. Yeah. So like the but consequence still, like, of those other things. But he's still like flipping a lot of that on its head. Yeah, but I'm just saying, and, and it is. But I'm just saying, like the aspects of like the way women are depicted in movies, like of like everyone having like perfect skin, like being dressed perfectly, all, all these no, things that yeah, are just what are in movies. Yeah. It's yeah. like he can't be. 100% unto himself yeah, you know so it's that. like clearly I, if if you want to you know talk about just the entire genre or like entire era of movies or just movies in general honestly like if you're going to condemn this which you can you're it's like all you're of it you're, all of it really. has problems and all of it has yeah. like you know things that need to be changed yeah should we go to this to the plot <laughs> yeah okay Whew. Gordon Cole. Good old right, Gordon Cole calls agent Chester Desmond, who is arresting two prostitutes and a school bus driver in Fargo, North Dakota. Hmm. Yeah. Fargo. Oh. What? Cole what assigns. What kind of reaction is that? He can't say yet. You should have a reaction too, but. I should? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Cole. Assigns Chet to the mysterious murder of Teresa Banks in the town of Deer Meadow, Washington. Cole introduces Chester to his new partner, Sam Stanley, and they receive clues from Lil the Dancer. He communicates the case to be a Blue Rose case. Okay, let me, let me, let's go quick questions. Thoughts on Chester? Chet Desmond. Okay, I just want to say, I was very impressed with how little screen time they get. I know. How well of a character they are both established. Yes. I agree. I feel like uh, it's Chet and Chester. I feel like Chet, Chet, and Chet Sam. is, I mean, Chet feels like another Truman. <laughs> yeah, 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 in a lot yeah, of ways. Bit. Like, there's not much to him, but I, I loved Chester. Like, so, yeah, so. The, 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 what were your thoughts on this? This is, this is uh, Chris Isaac and uh, Kiefer Sutherland in the beginning of the film, Kenna. I wasn't, like, prepared. Like, 
I feel like we just watched two different movies, to be yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. Like, that movie, is like, it's like a short film, yeah. and then yeah. a co- as soon as they go yeah. to Laura Palmer, it's completely different. So I, I felt like... Once the intro goes, yeah. Yeah, I felt like we were still like, like doing... That's the goofy weeks. stuff at the beginning. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, let's get down to business. Yeah, so I thought that was good. Like, I thought that was good that he did it like that, because I felt like we there was no transition needed. Like, yeah. I could just be playful in, in my mind. There's a tension in the same. film, though, because... Whenever I'm watching the Sam, um, Stanley, and Chester Desmond stuff, I'm thinking, ah, oh, I really want to get to Twin Peaks. I really want to get to mm-hmm. Laura. And then it, halfway through Laura's story, I'm like, I don't want to go like, yeah, no, yeah. I don't want to be doing this anymore. That, so true. <laughs> the, the first time I watched this, I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I know, I was Let's get to the interesting stuff. Yeah. But then but my then second I time, I was so like, much. is this my favorite part? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember how I was like, I hate that guy. He's annoying. I miss everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, but now I don't. Lil, <laughs> who is Gordon I Cole's. Yeah, I miss him too. Lil is uh, Gordon Cole's mother's sister's girl. I feel like that scene is very um, metaphorical for what how Lynch treats his media. Mm-hmm. So we have this little girl, not little girl, but Lil is her name. We have this young lady walk yeah, out, and she she. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we have kidding. we have this uh, young lady walk out, and she does this whole like little dance and like all the stuff that we find out later from Chad Desmond is a uh, code is a code. Which is cool for you to say, yeah, continue what you're saying. It's basically just saying, like, there are symbols and codes in this movie. You're going to see stuff that's not to be taken at face yeah. value. Or you're yeah, I like that. confused, and you're going to get frustrated. Yep. Um, oh. Also, just a little thing about structure in these movies. I feel like David Lynch movies are structured perfectly. Like, they're structured the way that movies should be structured. I wasn't that far away from it, you weirdo. You're like this. It's 100% not true. I'm going to swing this around and hit you in the head with it. Um, anyways. I agree. Okay, we'll bonk this on your end. I agree. I, what you're I, was, I knew what I was saying. I was just saying that, like, yeah, I feel like the way that he is going to, like, accomplish what he's going to accomplish has to be structured in a very, like, like, very complex way, you know? Yeah. And, like, uh, I don't know. It's funny going through the plot of these movies and going through like all the details and stuff. Cause like you're saying with like the thing, it's like, that's not going to be the most important thing. Like, yeah, it's going to push you down this kind of like path, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, Brad. Sure. No. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because he's inviting speculation. Mm-hmm. He's inviting nerds to get together and start a podcast breaking down the symbols and different signs within his, within the movie and the show which i think is is funny because you know what this is the movie that or this is the part of twin peaks that i can dissect the least yeah and so it's funny that begins with him basically inviting you to do that because it's like i don't know yeah. it's the most complex one uh another symbol at the beginning of the movie that i want to talk to you guys about that i didn't bring up it's not in this uh plot breakdown but basically at the beginning we're coming out of like this blue fuzz of the tv screen and then an axe goes through the tv yeah did you guys find that like represent representational or representative of like him saying ftv like because this show got canceled mm. he's like now we're gonna go cinematic didn't think of that yeah that's that that's what funny. i mean yeah that's what i thought it, yeah that, it seems very much like 
Because it's funny that like it's a it's it's static on a television screen. What about this? Television James? has nothing to do with uh yeah, what about this, James? I love <laughs> um that should be our icon on the Spotify episode for <laughs> that. That'll be yeah. <laughs> um, thumbnail. Have you seen the, the Japanese poster for this movie? It's so freaking good. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's oh, amazing. It's so sick. This movie. It's her from like that super low angle when they're in like the yeah. train car and her nose is like bleeding. Bleeding. Like, looking up. It's mm. this movie bombed in America, movie. but was a gigantic hit in Japan. Really? Well, Twin Peaks as a whole was a huge hit in Japan too. Interesting. I didn't the know cultural that. impact of just one thing like that, yeah, is immeasurable. It's That's insane. Crazy. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. The little hints. Cool. Yeah, I will just say last thing before we move on from that. I, it, it is a really good way I think to set up the movie because I would not put it past Lynch to just introduce the dancing, the dancing girl, and then just never address it again. Mm-hmm. No, so I yeah. I like I how agree. there's this little setup where it's like there are going to be strange things, but they all have meaning. So, yeah, it's like a new illustrated poster. It's not actually old, but oh, it's like designed to look like an old poster. But it's really, that's really cool. cool. That's cool. Yeah. I love this how was, this was the original the poster because she's like, yeah, that's really. Cool. This was the original poster, which is crazy. That's so cool. That's cool. That's crazy. I know. Um. Okay, so after some difficulty with the local police force, Desmond and Stanley eventually view Teresa's body at a morgue, realizing that her ring is missing and that a letter T has been placed under her left ring fingernail. Uh, Brad, I want five minutes on how they got that uh, that little piece of paper out from underneath her fingernail. I'm looking at the Twin Peaks laser disc from Japan, and it looks freaking awesome. That's dope. And it's $10. What were your thoughts on? I'm going to buy it. That and Jackie Chan's sweatshirt from Police Story. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, how they got the little tea out from? Yeah, I hated that. You watched me hating that. Oh my gosh. I think I was, so was I the only hard. one watching? Uh, you were the only one watching. I didn't watch. I remembered watching that when rip it we off. first watched this with with Sarah, and I <sighs> that made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Like, gen- generally ill. Which I probably should have watched it because there's probably a, you know these things have a flow for a reason. If the movie's going to make you sick at this point, uh-huh, there's a uh-huh. purpose to that. So. Yeah. That's his first warning of like what's co- what's going to happen. It's so much worse. Ugh. It's crazy that something like that is so visceral. And then all the other things in this movie, people are just getting like abused. And I'm sitting there like watching yeah. with my eyes open. There's a there's a point in the movie. Hey, true. Yeah. There's a, there's a like, point. Oh, a finger now? Like, I can't watch that. It's because Ugh. it's tactile. It's like, it's oh, that's, that's me. But the other stuff, I'm like. You're like, oh, that's not me. This that's... is just TV. Yeah. There's a point in the movie where like, like I become... I I become desensitized to everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's when her and uh, when Donna follows her to the nightclub. After that point, I'm just like, whatever. Because well, with the anything music can happen in there now. and all the dancing and everything, it just feels like it's like kind of pulsing and like flowing out. Mm-hmm. All of the like sexual stuff is so like gradual Gross. and with the beat of the music that yeah. you're just kind of like, not a single shift happens really quickly. It all is like pervasive, like really slowly. Yeah. So not a single of those like beats feels bad enough to stop watching it's like each time it's like well like that's not that much worse than it was just like a single beat ago what are your thoughts on the fingernail uh it's not the the first time the fingernail has come up yeah no it's not i hate it that that's his thing that he does yeah um, what would you be, what would you be get your guys's tell if you're a serial serial (laughs) killer yeah what would you be what would your little clue be um I would leave a nice plate of Jello in their fridge. Ooh. And I would say the Jello killer. Time, time for Jello. A little Ooh. note. Ooh. Jello killer. Jello killer. 
Brad, what would your what would your tell be? Probably something on accident. Like I didn't even mean to do it. I'm like, oh shoot, <laughs> I left my phone. <laughs> or like, Brad just Brad, Brad just puts like a sorry <laughs> note. Yeah. Oh and my everybody gosh. Everybody kills. We, the, the, it's the same guy who killed. Do you want to know how we know? He left his wallet here again. Yeah. Oh exactly my gosh. Kenna, what would your tell be? I was remembering when people, when I used to not get invited to certain things. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> listen, listen, listen. This has a meaning. Hopefully. Well, like when I, it was like a certain group. It was like when I couldn't go to things or when I wasn't invited to a certain thing. I would take the photo that they took and Photoshop like my face in it that like really poorly. So like there was one where they went on a boating trip and it's like literally someone like wakeboarding. I'm just in the water. My face is just in the water. And would you send it to them? So yeah, yeah, I would just send it to them. I'd be like, that was so fun. Holy f- <laughs> That's actually so, That's like, like actually serial killer thing to do. Like so, I can totally we imagine we made I'm coming jokes, for you. You're like, what I would do is I'd put myself what I have a family picture. She's like, and their children will call me daddy. She's like, what I did or what what I would do. Would I've do. never done this. Guys, that's yeah, that was all a joke. <laughs> I put my <laughs> so your answer is you I put mean, yourself actually, in all their family photos. I would put myself like little pictures of myself somewhere. That's dope. That's you, you I love how petty Cage. that is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that was my senior prank. I put pictures of Nicolas Cage. Hilarious. Everywhere. I made that joke when I was in seventh grade. I have how old are you? Oh, I was a senior <laughs> in high school. <laughs> Big dumb baby. I still love Nicolas Cage. So. That's amazing. Shut up, bitch. Who was that too? That's for Brad. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we need to get the shut up from when he's running. Oh, yeah. Covered shut up! Stick. Shut up! <laughs> the Leo. Desmond and Stanley learn about the victim's recent past from the town residence at Hap's Diner, where Teresa worked for a month, including a... F- okay, I'm not going to go further. In okay, I just want to say very, very quickly. Please do. Um, we got time. <laughs> hey. Uh, I... When we get into stuff, I think it's so interesting because this whole town is Sucks. the opposite of Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. The exact opposite. The coffee is awful. The people are rude. Oh, yes. Interesting. It's so Everyone. fascinating. The, the poor. Sheriff, Everyone's the poor. Is awful. And dirty. There are no waterfalls. There's not even hot water. Where's Ben Horn? Yeah, where's Ben Horn? The ladies that work at the diner aren't total babes. <laughs> <laughs> They're just a lady. To you. Uh, there are anyway, sorry, continue. Um, no, yeah, Habstunner sucks. Also, there's that dude with the French girl who asks them twice, like, "Are you are you are you here for the, the girl, girl who died died girl? Yeah. yeah. Did how do you think he pulled that French chick? I, no idea. How does any old man in Twin Peaks yeah. pull oh, any hot young? 30-year-old. Because like, the American film sure. industry scours the entire planet for beautiful young women and puts them in movies and abuses them no, and ruins their like, lives. No, but it's like a lynch thing. That's what it is. I swear it's a lynch they thing. They spend no, no, billions no, 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 no. of dollars. It's not that hard to find beautiful women. You can find... Well, like... Find but they'll, there are they'll so many examples. And they'll steal them and they'll use them for them to be in movies. And it's been happening for decades. There are so many examples in Twin Peaks of old men hooking up with very, very young, like, girls. Like, and it's, it's, it's weird. Hollywood producers. The kinds of people that funded this movie. Every man. It's terrifying. And with the advent of the internet, it's worse. 
these before. You could just live in rural Italy. No one would find you. But if you got an Instagram, they're going to find you. And they're going to steal you. The citizens of, of Deer Meadow include a French-speaking girl saying, La nuit est le bon moment. I don't know what that meant. Do you, any of you guys speak Spanish or English or Spanish or French? I speak Spanish, English? but I mean, <laughs> the two, the two languages just that I speak are English. <laughs> we got a German speaker here, a Korean speaker and two Spanish speakers. This is a worldwide movie. <laughs> no, that's you and I. <laughs> I searched La Nuit Es La Bonne Moment and the first thing that popped up is Maddie. Young Woman at Haps, Twin Peaks Gazette message board. Is that what she was saying? <laughs> no, it's the old woman with the lamp hot. Uh, also, Harold is in this movie. We'll get to that. I'm sure. Oh yeah, hell yeah, we're gonna get to that. About it. Even though that was so distressing. Oh, um. So that do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? It in so French to English that means boredom. I am bored at just the right moment. Oh. Sounds what the that's fetch? funny. Oddly sexual. Huh. just the right moment. <laughs> okay. I know what a woman wants to hear. Like, are you through yet? <laughs> Steve Martin. <laughs> Not because I can make love up to one time a night. <laughs> they investigate Fat Trout Trailer Park owned by Carl Rod, where Teresa lived, citing a curious woman. How did you... F- uh, that, was, that was the first sign of we're about to get really freaking weird with this movie. Ah. I, I think the first sign was the diner. Yeah. It, first time was the first lady time, with the blue what's her yeah. name? Yeah. Lil. The red dress. She already freaked me out. I do think the, the line I do think the, the line where they're like, bus. it's very, very late. And he's like, No, it's very, very early. I think that's very oh. significant <laughs> because it goes back to my very, very first thing I said in this podcast, which is does this take place before yeah, or after sync with or time is and death. stuff? And that yeah. was Sam yeah. Stanley the Rocks. Sets that, the movie sets that up continually back at the station too. Like when he's watching the monitor, he runs over. He's not there because that's how monitors work. And then he goes back and then he sees him stuck there and Philip Jeffries pass him, which didn't happen. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, time is getting all messed yeah. up because yep. I don't think that it's very important for what you're about to see. I just want to say we that. We are going lo- non-linear, baby. What I want to say is I really yeah, wish that Sam Stanley was a, a character on the show because I freaking love that character. Oh. Mm. Stanley, speaking of. Leaves Deer Meadow after he finishes finishes his part of the investigation while Desmond remain, remains behind for the Blue Rose. Uh, who, Brad, tell us what the Blue Rose cases are again. Did he go by Harry, Dean, or Stanley in real life? I wonder. He wouldn't have gone by Stanley. His last name is Stanton. He could have gone by Stan. I'd call him Stan. He went hey, by Stan? Harry. He went you by don't Harry. Because, yeah, David Lynch wrote about him in his, in his book. That's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Uh, Blue Rose. Um, she's wearing the flower. That's the name of the project that I believe. Are they is all assigned up? to it? Um, I think it is when he's like when he shows them like the signals and it says Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. You know what I'm talking does about? Does he does he break that? it down yeah, that that's the transmission? Yeah. Is that and all you're yeah, gonna no, say? Because they talk about it a lot, and uh, Wyndham Earl talks about it because he was assigned to it too. So they talk about the Blue Rose a lot, right? And he gets obsessed with it. Wyndham Merle got obsessed with like the trees around Wind Peaks. Wind Peaks, Twin Peaks. He got obsessed with like the woods around Twin Peaks. So the Blue Rose was the project that all of those guys were assigned to, I believe, or at least one of them, some of them. We see more of Philip Jeffries in 
the missing pieces. Yes, we do. We see a lot more Phil Jeffries and Jeffries and also, missing pieces. David Bowie, probably one of the most culturally significant individuals of all time. Yeah, it's and wild it's awesome that he's in this movie for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Desmond finds Teresa's ring on a dirt pile under a trailer, never to be seen again. Disappears. Yep. The whole trailer disappears. Like my homie Jerome. Have you guys seen that meme? Meanwhile. Me taking my schizophrenia medication. My homie Jerome. (laughs) Meanwhile, on February 6th, at the same moment at the FBI headquarters in Philadelphia, long-lost agent Philip Jeffries reappears after a nearly two-year-long disappearance. Wait, sorry. Before we move on. (laughs) I know David Lynch loves numbers. Mm Mm-mm. There were numbers on oh, the. There was like a. Yeah. It's number there six. Was a six. Shot. It was a six. Number and then there was a six. There was a seven. There was like a two one eight something ab- above the six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does, is that significant? Should I worry I don't about think this? Those numbers are significant. The number seven is. Okay. I think that's the cool thing about patterns in okay. his movies because we've spent so much time talking about like visual patterns and being like oh they said that thing or like oh there's that that, that freaking owl oh my god it's important it's not i'm not trying to make fun of the fact that we've done that it is important but i think that just like your brain seeing those like visually seeing those like repeating figures repeating imagery repeating pictures of like owls or whatever it gets you in a mode of thinking that i think is like good for this kind of movie and good for this kind of tv show even if those symbols themselves don't ever really completely explain themselves yeah I grew up in Boston. Oh. Well, symbols. Symbols. I grew up symbols. Have you heard that Norm Macdonald joke <laughs> that's like, Thomas Edison may have invented the light bulb, but I invented the light bulb up your ass. Stupidest joke. He tells Gordon, this is Philip Jeffries. He tells Gordon of the events he has seen, adding that Judy is not to be talked about. He recalls the reunion in the room above the convenience store of a little man, Bob, Mrs. Chalfont, her grandson, the jumping man, two woodsmen, and the electrician. Jeffrey dis- disappears into thin air. Kenna, uh, remind us why the a convenience, the room above a convenience store is important. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> it's a test. <laughs> You're in school. Wait a minute. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, hey, Philip Gerard in who's, season who's one, the one-armed man says that they, him and Bob were from a uh, room of a convenience store. It's like a throwaway line a little bit. Yeah, but mm. now it's not anymore. Okay, who was all in that room? Okay. Ah, that room is scary. I don't want to think about it. Here's, okay, here's, here's, here's the, the reason the room. scary. Old lady. The man from another place. Mm-hmm. The man from another oh, place. Yes. Bob. With the Formica table. They're at the Formica table. Uh-huh. Mrs. Chalfont, the old lady. Yeah. Her grandson, the David Austin Lynch. The jumping man, who's that guy with that mask who keeps jumping around. Big nose. Two woodsmen. And the electrician. Is that the guy that goes? I think that's the electrician. Okay. Um, like Amish. And then Jeffrey's he can't disappears. Be an electrician if he's Amish. Jeffrey's disappears. They dis- don't do that. Sorry. Jeffrey's disappears into there. But there's, there's also a part where the kid takes off his mask and he's a monkey. Yep. Yes, and he puts it back on. Yeah. There's also a part where the kid takes off his mask and he's a monkey. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's that's that's one of that's the monkey plot stuff in this movie. The monkey stuff in this movie is one of those things where it's just like, it's like what are we doing? What, what, what are we doing? I don't know how to put this in anything. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. Um, yeah, that was then a scary shot at the end. In the Philadelphia office, Jeffries disappears, 
And they're like, he was here, just not at the right time. Or what did he say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gordon said, where did he come from? Where did he go? Where did he he come from? Cotton Cotton Eye Joe. Joe. Yeah. And it was like... And then he started hitting a jig. Where did you come from? Where did you go? <laughs> I got a real indication, man. But yeah, it's a huge part of, I think, especially the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Of just like, everything's out of whack. People are out of sync. People are in the wrong places at the wrong time. Oh, it's so unsettling. It is really unsettling. Which might be the only, I don't think it's the only intention of things being that way. But it being that way is what makes his stuff really unique. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, Special Agent Dale Cooper is sent to Deer Meadow to investigate Desmond's disappearance in the park. So here's the thing. I'm about to break down. I can't, I can't decide if I want to talk about like behind the scenes stuff or not while we're talking about the plot. Do it. So Kyle MacLachlan, when they started pre-production of this movie, he was like, I'm not going to be in the movie because he was disappointed with how season two went. A lot of the cast was. And so... Lynch was like, all right, I got to write this new character. So he wrote Chet Desmond, who was going to be McLaughlin's, like, like fill-in. But then eventually McLaughlin was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And so then they had to rewrite the stuff. So why, that's why it's kind of weird that at the beginning you're like, why isn't why isn't Cooper, Cooper here? Why do we have these two other agents we have to be introduced to? Um, and, it tur- and in the end, Kyle McLaughlin only did, like, five days of work on the movie. Obviously, you watch the movie, he's in, like, five minutes of it. Um, I don't know if the movie would be that much better if he were at the beginning. So, yeah, so that doesn't like upset you guys that it like was because the movie's characters. Laura's movie. It just kind of doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I they just didn't matter. Yeah, I feel like Chad Desmond, Sam Stanley, Dale Cooper, don't matter. They disappeared. He we said, oh, nothing to me. This is yeah, fine. exactly. I hate him. They disappeared. This is <laughs> fine. <laughs> were you gonna say something else? He is drivel. I hate Dale Cooper. Um, no, that's I, right. I, uh, like I said earlier, I like this first part. And I like how it's so uh, weird and just doesn't relate to anything until it does. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, you, you, like that. you'll see. It kind of, it feels sad to say, but it feels like David Lynch, like, got cut off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He would have made more seasons. Well, they, they planned kinda, to make three more movies. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, they're going to make three more movies. Which I think like two movie, of them are basically what The Return is. I feel like this movie, he was just like, if if this is all I can say, if I get cut off, if I never get to make anything else ever again, at least I can say well, this. And it's obvious that his main interest with Twin Peaks was Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. Um, so then a resident asks Carl about her hot water while Cooper sees the words Let's Rock on the windshield of Desmond's car. Okay. Where's Let's Rock coming from? The Red Room. Yep. Exactly. Let's it's the first... Rock. It's Let's, let's Black, Rock. Right? Let's Rock today. <laughs> it's the first thing that the man from another place says to Cooper in oh his dream. Yeah. Let's Rock. Oh, yeah. Wow. I totally forgot about that. Well, it's been so That's long since... That's another thing that Harry Dean Stanton said when he was in... That lady was talking to him. He said, I don't want to go anywhere else. I've been here for like a short I time know. and I want to be here forever. Two pieces about portals. You know, to the to like the Black Lodge, the Red Room, stuff like that. I believe that Trailer Park is one of those portals. Um, that's why the electricity is so important, and that's why people keep saying electricity and the power mm-hmm. lines and like the number on the post. Mm-hmm. People are able to move around. It would be funny. If you should just edit this entire episode. Twin Peaks is about portals, and then it just ends. <laughs> <laughs> portals. Um. Okay. 
This episode was brought to you by Portals. By Portals. Have you ever wanted to try a portal? <laughs> you can. Now. Now. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Have you ever seen something on the other side of the room and thought, damn it. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Stop that. Use a portal. Has an, old, have, has an old lady ever given you a painting of a door open? And you have a dream that you walk through that door and you look back and you're in the painting? Try a portal. <laughs> There's a portal. I was talking to someone the other day, and I was talking about ED, which is I was trying to say like eating disorder, and oh. they thought I was saying erectile dysfunction. I thought you were oh. saying erectile yeah. dysfunction. The clues to Teresa Banks' murder have led to a dead end. Cooper, however, is certain that her killer will strike again. Okay, so that's where we're gonna end part one. Oh wow! Of Fire oh. Walk with me. Right there. We scratched the surface. Ah, we talked yeah. about a lot of We're going to do the Laura stuff, stuff for the second we part. We did, yeah. Uh, um, go throw up. What do you guys want to say to the audience? I love this movie. I love this work. It's really good stuff. It is really good. We will be, we'll be dro- dropping part two on Christmas Eve. So uh, be looking out for that. Happy holidays, guys. And uh, have a good week. Wait, we're not going to rate the <laughs> first part? We'll rate the whole thing. Are we gonna reveal winner? No, we'll do that in part two. We're not gonna do like the. You guys do know the awards. I'm gonna let this play for like two seconds. I'm gonna open a new file and we're just gonna record part two right now. Okay. Can I get a donut before we do that? Please go eat more. Go eat.